0: Hello and welcome to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. In this episode, and in honor of Black History Month, I will be talking to Ted Colbert, the Executive Vice President of the Boeing Company and President and Chief Executive Officer of Boeing Global Services. We'll be talking about diversity in engineering and how engineers can help to improve diversity in engineering. I'm your host, Jeff Perry, founder of More Than Engineering, helping engineers and technology professionals with leadership and career coaching to create meaningful careers and lives. And this is the Engineering Career Coach podcast brought to you by EMI. It's the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. Before we get started, I just want to mention that this is a free show and our sponsors help us to keep it free. So I would now like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Washington State University. Washington State University's Engineering and Technology Management master's degree program is a perfect balance of technical and managerial education that helps prepare practicing engineers for managing projects, people, and organizational systems. As one former student noted, The knowledge that I gained from the ETM program helped me become a more competent, confident engineer and manager. The program greatly impacted my career and has been a key element in my continued success. You can learn more about the engineering management profession and program at etm.wsu.edu or email them at at etm.wsu.edu. Take charge of your career and reach out today. Now let's jump right in. Now it's time to jump right into the main segment of our episode. Ted, so happy to have you here with us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It is my pleasure and uh, great to be here with you as well. Can we hear in your own words, tell our listeners a little bit more about you and your background and what a day-to-day in the life of
1: Ted looks like these days? I am the CEO and President of Boeing Global Services. I lead over 20,000 teammates around the world, focused on keeping planes flying uh, safely and efficiently around the world and leveraging a ton of digital innovation. I've been with Boeing since 2009, had various roles in information technology and data analytics. I served as the chief information officer for about six years, and prior to joining Boeing, I spent some time at Citigroup. About 11 years at Ford Motor Company and time at at t Bell Laboratories and internships and part-time work. So background is uh, engineering, technology, process re-engineering, program management across several industries. Now, all the while doing a ton of work uh, in the community, helping further STEM across many communities uh, in the country. And frankly, even when I lived uh, in the United Kingdom. A lot of fun background, a lot of exciting places to live uh, and to experience industry-wise. You know, from a day-to-day perspective, I'm like lots of other people. I get up in the morning, uh, start the day off reading something, uh, trying to clear out any email that showed up overnight, and then getting a good workout in uh, just about every day. Uh, it helps to clear the mind. It helps to reset the body and get you ready to go and then uh, get to a commute or get on the phone or, or video. So pretty straightforward. Uh, Try to mix in something, some simple learning from industry, a podcast or read an article or something like that, along with uh, obviously the normal news uh, as part of the day-to-day routine.
0: Ted, across the span of your career, you've been in a lot of different companies and industries. Curious just to talk about some of the most important life lessons you've learned thus far in your career that have really impacted you and you've seen impact
1: others. Tons of lessons learned, uh, and I'll just share you know, a couple with you. The first is fit matters. I've seen lots of folks try to force themselves as a fit into a particular role or a particular company for whatever reason, and just fight and fight and fight, and it's just not a good fit. And that comes in the form of technical skills or culture. Uh, some cultures uh, take on much more stronger approaches to things like accountability or speed, Uh, Some have a lot more patience. Some have cultures with people that are a lot more engaged than others. And you have to, early in your career in particular, experiment a lot with different jobs and learn about what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy, and where you thrive. So fit, I think, is so important, seeing lots of, of careers slow down and get derailed by folks not getting themselves in a place where they actually fit in well or that fit well with them. That's the first thing. The second, trying to uh, find your own strengths or I'll call them superpowers in others specifically all the time is a bit of a fool's errand. It's great to observe how other people operate, what they do well and what they don't do well, but to just try to copy and emulate someone else that seems to be doing really well in their career is a derailer for sure. As we spend time gaining experiences in our career, We learn about the things that we do well and we don't. And when we find the things that we do well, we should put more energy into developing those and continue to work on the adjacent things. The thing that I'd like to share in that is just listen to yourself. You know what gets you up in the morning. You know what excites you. You know what you'll spend that extra hour or two on. You know what it's hard to put down. Those are the things uh, that match with your superpowers, and those are the things you need to focus on and develop. You just got to follow your gut. The last thing I'll say is, look, everything is not forever. I always uh, go back to that Kenny Rogers song, The Gambler. Um, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away and know when to run. It's an interesting balance because I've worked in a couple, at least in my experiences with Ford and, uh, and Boeing, where it is easy to build an entire career in these companies. And sometimes people do and it works really well and they're extremely successful. And uh, I encourage that. I also encourage people to take stock uh, very frequently about what they are able to give from a value creation perspective in their role and what they're able to receive from a development perspective. And are they surrounded by people uh, that are really supporting them in their goals? And you have to exercise some agency sometimes and move on to the next thing. Everything is not forever all the time. And again, I've seen that as a career derailer sometimes are people just not living up to their career expectations. So those are just some of the things I've learned over my career watching and experiencing. And I hope that offers something to someone out there. Ted, you mentioned earlier that you've been involved in a lot
0: of things in the community and promoting STEM and diversity and other things. Why do you think diversity is so important and such a big key to the future of engineering and STEM as we move forward?
1: Diversity, equity, and inclusion are absolute force multipliers for performance. There have been proof points by external companies, third parties like McKinsey and Catalyst that talk about how companies that have more diversity outperform those that don't. Companies with higher levels of gender diversity and with great policy and practices have lower turnover and have more inclusive workforces that are likely to have better job satisfaction and commitment to the company. Those things in an engineering world are obviously super important. You need to have continuity with your people. And uh, when you create an environment that is diverse and inclusive, it creates the conditions to have a safe place for people to bring their whole selves with them to work every day and contribute. And that's where the rubber hits the road is from a contribution perspective. If you're able to create a diverse sort of cornucopia of talent on your team very broadly, and you're able to gain all of the goodness that the experiences that all those people bring to the table through inclusion. And when that happens, you end up with much better answers. You end up with broader inputs, and if you have the right analytical machine to assess those inputs, you end up with much, much better output uh, from a performance perspective. And you mitigate risk. In the engineering world, uh, groupthink is one of the things that gets us into hugest amount of trouble. When we're solving problems, uh, we've got to use all the tools that we have. And the more diverse team that we have, the higher probability we're going to take advantage of all those tools and make great decisions. So our world is becoming even smaller. And every part of the world is becoming more diverse in every single way, shape, and form and the products and services that are delivered through engineering by great companies like ours have to reflect the diversity in those cultures. I'll give you an example. Because we use cameras and video so much, many years ago, I moved into a new office and we had a conference room next to the office and I just couldn't get the lighting right on the camera. It turns out that for those of you who are photographers, you understand how cameras work. Because my skin is brown, if I didn't zoom the camera all the way into my skin, all of the lighter colors, all the white in the room just sucked up all the metering on the camera. It turns out that it took our pandemic and our sort of, you know, video collaboration culture. I won't mention any brands for uh, the camera folks to figure out that they should prioritize improving the performance of cameras for people with darker skin because if your background soaked out in color, you're going to end up uh, looking like two eye pupils blinking for hours and hours and hours. That, to me, is just a reflection of diversity. And I suspect, and I don't know for a fact, that the folks developing cameras more broadly for video usage, especially in this type of environment, didn't do a lot of testing across the board, or they didn't prioritize putting the metering on these cameras to support a broad spectrum of skin color. I know that's a, a really weird one to bring up, but that is a real challenge. <laughs> it's a real challenge.
0: Something that probably a lot of people don't even think about. And we're talking about the hardware on the software pieces to, and getting the algorithms right so we can recognize people of all types. And so that's a great example there want to touch on racial equity as well. And you've spent, even within companies like Boeing, a time as a diversity and inclusion champion. So what are some of the initiatives that you've been a part of that you've led to help create these more inclusive workspaces? And how have you seen it actually benefit employees and, and also your career and the careers of others?
1: First, it starts with me. You know, I obviously have to take the importance of uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, important. Um, I have to model that within my own team. I'll say before getting into the initiative space, even with my own team, when there are opportunities to allow our teammates to share their perspectives or experiences that are spaces to create empathy for each other, I let that happen. As we've had many challenges in our country over the last couple of years, I create the space so we can all learn from one another, and that develops empathy for one another, and that makes us stronger as a team and helps everyone see the world just a little bit differently. Our company has been working on diversity, equity, and inclusion for a long time, and since 2020, we set out even more intense objectives. Uh, We got even more organized across the enterprise and lay it and set out a three-pronged action plan to root out racism, advance progress on key measures of equity inclusion, and strengthen our company's commitment to investments in diverse suppliers around the world. And so our three-pronged plan focuses on advancing equity inclusion for all, confronting racism, and building and support coalition amongst our communities and suppliers. So there's a ton of detail that sits behind all of that. We are working through many of the programs that we've had in place in the past, and we have a long history of supporting programs that educate, mentor, and develop women and women and minority communities. We're investing at a minimum of $25 million in nonprofit organizations that advance equity by 2023. One of the ones that I'm most proud of is our commitment with the Thurgood Marshall College Fund to support uh, historically Black colleges and universities and broaden our pipeline of diverse talent from HBCUs we had already been recruiting from HBCUs. This program is to be even more intentional about the great talent uh, that we're bringing from HBCUs. And that's been working really well. Our first cohort of students now joining the company full time and doing really, really well. In November 2020, we also for a partnership with Allen University at $1.5 million to establish a Boeing Institute on Civility at the school. And uh, it'll be a national hub for teaching and providing program aimed at civil discourse uh, in America and across the globe. So I've benefited because the company has allowed me to put energy and investment in these efforts. We have external technical affiliations with many organizations uh, through which I've gotten more involved over the years and go out and actually do some recruiting. There are folks that have worked for me, both in this job and my last job, uh, that I met at these events. Uh, it turns out that they were a good fit for the company, and they've come and helped us richen the mix of great talent that happen to be diverse, and that has brought value to the company. So, very excited about that. There's so much opportunity out here, especially in the STEM field, that we have to spend time in the community developing the pipeline from you know K through 12 through college and Uh, make sure that the people are supported and nurtured as they transition into the professional workplace, especially in the engineering field.
0: Really tackling it from a number of different areas and partnerships, things that you're doing internally, externally, and with education institutions and other things, trying to look at this from a broad spectrum. And so fun things to hear about what Boeing is, is doing on that front would love to bring it down to how many of us can apply this in a little bit of a different or make this more personal. So thinking about engineering leaders and managers and even just other engineering workers, even if they're individual contributors, how does the individual here who may be listening, who maybe doesn't have the impact to affect things on the organizational scale with millions of dollars, how do they impact and it help improve and support diversity in field of engineering?
1: There are some real simple things, at least they're simple in my mind. <laughs> Number one, I was very lucky. And when I finished high school, I started in a program called Inroads, And en objective is to develop and place minority youth in business and industry to prepare them for corporate and community leadership in the future. They match young people with internships. And my first internship was Baltimore Gas and Electric. In Baltimore and from there I ended up in another program with AT&T Bell Laboratories and internships every summer and then I ended up working full-time or part-time during my senior year at Georgia Tech. The common thread in all of those internships was great great mentorship. I had supervisors that brought me on gave me really tough assignments enough that you know I could butt my chin just a little bit fail just a little bit, but learn a whole lot about how to get on in the corporate environment, uh, how to be an engineer in the corporate world, how to solve problems, how to ask for help, how to take risks and be innovative. I'd find a way if I was an engineer, a supervisor, an individual contributor in any company to find out what your company is doing to bring in interns and get one sitting right next to you and spend some time with them and help them acclimate to the environment that you're in. If you rewound the clock to, you know, when I first graduated from high school, I had my first couple of internships at AT&T Bell Laboratories, I'm a totally different young person, totally different, totally impressionable. And those experiences made all the difference in the world. They empowered me to be confident about being an engineer. They empowered me to learn more about what I like and don't like. You know, at Bell Labs, I worked with a bunch of amazing PhD engineers, amazing people. But I learned very early on that that was not the route that I wanted to go on. The specialization was interesting for them, but my desire and passion were more or different from that. I knew just from spending time with them, but at the same time, I love spending time with them. I think the most important thing is exposure, getting an intern, working right next to you, sponsoring programs if you're at that level, and starting from there. That is just so basic. If you have access to an HBCU, go teach on campus. Go spend some time with the professors and the department heads and learn more about what they are doing and help them understand what's important to us in the corporate world right now.
0: I just want to take a quick break here and once again recognize our sponsor for this podcast episode, Washington State University. The Engineering and Technology Management Program at Washington State University is a systematic approach to professional development for practicing engineers to shift from fully technical positions into leading technical employees and systems. A fully online master's degree program, students take classes at night and often implement class lessons in their positions at work before the next class. Learn more about a master's degree in engineering and technology management at etm.wsu.edu or email them at etm@wsu.edu. Take charge of your career and reach out today. I just want to bring up one other thing, just kind of on this related topic here. We were just talking before we started recording that just this last weekend, you had the pleasure of being awarded the Black Engineer of the Year Award. I'm just curious, you know, after being involved in so many of these things for so long as part of your career and community service, what does this award and recognition mean to you at this point? And what does that mean for the community that we're celebrating these things?
1: First, I'm very, very, very uh, thankful for the recognition from the Career Communications Group. As the 2022 Black Engineer of the Year, there have only been uh, a little over 30 folks that had this uh, recognition and some amazing people that I'm just in awe to be in the same sort of stratosphere with. The things that all these folks have in common is, you know, they all overcame adversity in one way or another. Uh, They all worked really, really hard and demonstrated results and at the same time, you know, gave back to their community. It's important to me because from a personal perspective, it's recognition. That balance of coming to work hard every day and giving back actually means something to someone and is of value to our community and to our world. And I hope that it encourages others to do the same. From a people of color perspective, I hope that seeing my story and the other people that have won awards over the years, both mine and the other awards that are given out as part of this program, inspires them to keep uh, moving forward within this field. It is not uh, a field that historically has been overemphasized in communities of uh, underrepresented uh, young talent and people of color and, frankly, women. And, uh, and these events help highlight great talent. We see Black people doing really well in entertainment, and sports, all the time, in other fields, and maybe even in politics and religion. But we also have to uplift people of color that are successful in engineering, you know, science, technology, and math, because it creates a space for young people to see themselves potentially doing something like the job that I do, and it gives them hope that if they work hard and commit themselves to, you know, their craft and a mission, that there are opportunities out there again. And so I hope that by being in this role as the Black Engineer of the Year, I can do as much as I possibly can to be a role model for those folks give them the confidence that they can be great leaders in STEM and know that there's a pathway with both getting things done and giving back to the community that matters. Well, that's
0: awesome. And congratulations again on the award. And I know that's a a culmination of a lot of work, not just anything you did just this last year. That's been a part of your life's work and everything that you've been involved in. So congrats on that and the recognition. Thank you. You've been a leader for a long time. Talking a little bit more about your personal leadership philosophy and where that comes from and why that's your approach.
1: It's come from lots of experience over the years, lots of learning from mentors, lots of failing, obviously. You know, you learn from mistakes that you make over the years. And fundamentally, I believe as a leader, in empathy is a, a first core value. Empathy is a pathway to taking advantage of the diversity of my team. As a leader, my role is essentially like being the conductor of an orchestra. An orchestra has many different instruments and sounds, a diversity of shapes and sizes of instruments and colors of music. And your job is to bring all that together and create some harmony and create a sound that is of value to the business and the customers that you're in. And in order to do that, you have to empower the orchestra, right? You have to give them space to learn and to experiment and to fail and to learn again. And you also have to um, hold them accountable to it. You know, if that clarinet in the first row is squeaking all the time, you know, you give them a chance to change or wet their read or whatever. But if it's not working, you go from first chair to second chair. So you've got to have a lot of empathy and empowerment, but also a lot of accountability along the way. I believe matched with that is being clear around expectations of the people that work with you and around you. One of the biggest challenges I see with helping drive performance is that expectations aren't clear in both directions. And whenever I'm embarking upon a new transformation, some degree of clear sight about the vision, because it's not always completely clear, I make sure that everyone on my team is aligned to that vision. And they are clear of my expectations and without giving the entire speech, but at some point in time or another, I'll sit down with everyone and say, Hey, look, this is where we are going. And uh, if you don't want to be on this roller coaster with me, please let me know before we all, you know, strap in because we can find somewhere else, you know, for you to go be effective and be value. But if you get on this roller coaster with me in this car and, you know, we start going up and down and it gets challenging, you jump off. It may be an easy jump off and it may not be such an easy jump off, but that's about expectation setting. It's, being, it's about being clear. We're going to do something big and you got to be ready for it. You got to want to do it just as much as I do. And it works. I've had people opt out early on in transformations and I've had people recommit themselves. So setting expectations, I think, is the other part. And then, as I mentioned before, keeping balance is really important. Okay? Balance and all things. We demonstrated this a lot uh, during the pandemic. As a leader, you first have to take care of yourself. That means your health, that means your family, that means your mental you know, health and well-being. You can't take care of others until you take care of yourself. And then you think about you know, your team and what you've got to do to support them. And then you think about your organization and company. You have to look at leadership in all those dimensions to be really healthy, of how you're taking care of yourself how you're taking care of the people that work for you, the people that work with you, how you're working with your stakeholders, and be very intentional about all those things. And intentionality, i just say, is a wrapper around everything I just described. Having empathy, certainly supporting and
0: bringing accountability to the group. You're talking about balance and, and aligning expectations and then that intentionality kind of wrapping around. Did I catch them all? Yeah, good. You mentioned earlier when you were talking about early in your career and internships and things, just how important mentors and others around were to supporting you at that important time. So talk about a little bit more about why you believe that engineers need to have mentors and just how important that is early career and even beyond as
1: well. Mentors early and, and, like you said, even beyond are important. There, it's an opportunity for you to have a bilateral relationship that's very purposeful and purposeful from the sense of mentor is typically uh, stretching you beyond, you know, what you think you're able to do, uh, planting seeds of possibility within you, giving you feedback that is candid and constructive and helpful. One of the biggest pivot points in my career. Was becoming, we'll call the chief of staff for the, the chief information officer at Ford. And, uh, he stretched me into some really hard work. He said, Ted, it's time for us to refresh the strategy for the IT organization and I want you to go lead it. And I'm just like, I've never done a strategy this big in my life. And so he put his leadership team in my hands and, you know, I went off and did a bunch of research, got some help you know, scheduled some offsites as we do and push through updating that strategy. And uh, I still have an artifact from that event uh, to this day. It turned out really, really nicely. And of course, I stubbed my toe along the way. And of course, I have set some of his leadership team along the way. Those are accelerated experiences that allow you to gain even more self-awareness in early stage in my career that helped me become a better leader in the long run. That's what a mentor does. Not only just sort of talks to you a lot and provides frameworks for being a great leader, they dunk you right in the middle of really tough situations. I had another mentor that uh, came on as a new manager in my area and had heard you know, how great of a leader I was. And he said, well, I'm going to find out about that. And he just like, the guy overloaded me with all these really, really difficult projects. And at first, I was obviously pretty annoyed by the fact that I was doing like three times as much work as my peers. But I also saw it as an opportunity to demonstrate uh, my ability to multitask, you know, my ability to delegate, uh, my ability to prioritize. And that was the real test. Again, accelerating experiences earlier in my career to make me a better leader in the long run and providing feedback along the way. So great mentors set you up for that. And um, I've done that for uh, people that have worked uh, on my team as well. You just have to believe in people and give them some space to learn. And sometimes it doesn't work. You know, sometimes we stretch people slightly too far and we've got to reel it back so that they don't really hurt themselves and then move them onto something else that might be a better fit. And in the engineering world, that's so critical because our world is changing so much. Engineering traditionally was much more about physical products, traditional Newtonian-based mechanics, right? Today, we're bringing together the physical and the digital, and there's so many opportunities to leverage both to innovate. I just heard someone recently say, all this focus on software, you know, do we still need mechanical and electrical engineers? I'm like, are you kidding me? We absolutely do. We just have better tools for mechanical and electrical engineers to analyze data, to uh, use generative design, to use artificial intelligence to help them make decisions, right? But you still need great mechanical and electrical engineers, for example, and mentors will help bridge uh, all the the changes that are happening in the world, especially experienced engineers and new engineers. Uh, That interaction from a knowledge management, knowledge transfer perspective is so important. Ted, as we just end off this main portion of the episode, any final piece of advice that you would share with engineers out there? We've talked a lot about mentoring and diversity. The common foundation of that is really all about people. Great engineering you know, shows up because people know how to take all the things that they've learned, all the skills and principles that they've learned about our field and apply them to really tough problems. That happens really well uh, through great leadership. And uh, great leadership knows how to take advantage of the skills and experiences that their diverse team brings Keep them all included you know drive them and allow them to be empowered to get work done but hold them accountable when they make mistakes but encourage them to learn and move forward i've tried to do that in every job that i've had over the course of my career i've tried to work for people that operate in that way and frankly stay away from those that don't because they don't tend to be in the most productive and forward environment you know i hope that all the engineers out there realize that by taking this approach, it opens up even more opportunities. You solve problems faster. You get to the next big challenge. Uh, you solve big, big problems. And that's why we all became engineers. Engineers are problem solvers. And that's what I enjoy doing. And I've enjoyed that from being an analyst or an engineering intern to being uh, the CEO of a 15, 16 billion dollar business. So I hope that you know, I left you with something that is encouraging and exciting about our field and you have some tools to go off and, and be great engineers.
0: And thanks so much for this. At this point, we're going to transition into the Take Action Today segment of the show where I'll ask Ted for one final piece of actionable suggestion that you can take to move forward in your career. Now I would like to recognize our sponsor for today's episode. ASME, the American Society of Mechanical Engineers, promotes the art, science, and practice of multidisciplinary engineering and allied sciences around the globe. Becoming a member and joining the ASME community is the most important connection a current or future mechanical engineer can make. ASME members can engage with various ASME local sections. Student sections represent ASME at university and college campuses globally. Professional sections are ASME local chapters. Each ASME member is assigned to a local section based on their geographic location. For those MEs studying for the PE exam, ASME offers member discounts on prep courses through our PE Exam Passpoint program with the Engineering Management Institute. We also offer our mentoring services, to help you build relationships for both mentors and mentees. To find out more about ASME and what membership can do for you, check us out on www.asme.org. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. Ted, this has been a fun conversation, and one of the things that we touched a lot on was diversity and inclusion in STEM and engineering. As we finish off here, what's one final piece of advice that people can take action on to promote more diversity and inclusion in their careers and their workplaces? What would you say?
1: And my thoughts for the community today is to think about one thing you can do, just one, to help with the diversity and inclusion within your organization. And that one thing could be bringing on an intern or bringing on new talented individual at the mid-career level into your environment and making sure that that intern has a great mentor and someone that can help them acclimate to the environment that you're in. And maybe that mid-level career person uh, has a buddy that helps them acclimate to the environment. You'll get a great talented person and they'll make a difference to how you all make decisions, the innovation that you bring to your products. So my one piece of advice or one action is to look around your environment and think about how really diverse it is and go and find you know, one person to bring in the environment and mix it up a little bit and see what you get uh, you know, from that. It'll be a test of your leadership, but it'll matter. And that can be done by anyone at
0: any level. Thanks so much for that, Ted. And thanks for a great episode and conversation here. I learned a lot, and I think our listeners are going to learn a lot and gain some great perspectives here. Any places that you would point people to as far as resources to learn more about Boeing, Boeing Global Services, or any other causes that you would like to share here as we end off?
1: You can always go to our website, boeingboeing.com. There are pathways to get to global services. There are pathways you can learn more about what we've been doing around diversity. We published our report last year that'll give you a lot more detail and frankly serve as a template for companies like you know, big companies, medium-sized companies to go um, and execute around. I spent a lot of time with nonprofits. I mentioned the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. They represent all the public HBCUs in the country. The other group that I'm a chair of the board of is New Leaders. Uh, That's about creating great principals and and administrators in schools in the country. Great, great program has met huge impact on our public schools around the country. And then there are other organizations like the National Society of Black Engineers or uh, the organization that recognized me this weekend, Black Engineer of the Year, is sort of uplifted by a group called the Career Communications Group. Black Engineer of the Year is one of their forums. They also have a women of color forum. They have Hispanic engineering forum, et cetera. If you go to their website, you'll see all the efforts they have. These conferences are big. It's a great place to come and spend time with thousands of people from different schools. It's a great opportunity to be in an an environment where you have a huge community that you can get access to versus going all around the country to these different places. So lots of resources uh, there, and uh, hopefully one of those may help you all. Thanks again for a great conversation and
0: wish you and Boeing continued success. Thanks so much and have a great week. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. I really hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. You can go to www.engineeringmanagementinstitute.org where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in the episode as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books that we mentioned. And don't forget to check out any upcoming live webinars also at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Additionally, for any engineers who are struggling and need help taking the next career step, I've created some free training resources with an opportunity to join a more intensive program called the Engineering Career Accelerator. You can find more information at engineeringcareeraccelerator.com. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors. The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs, plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and we'll help you engineer your own success.